Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, uh, Thanksgiving's Thursday. Thanksgiving. And you know what? I'm going to pick up my turkey later today. I ordered it at Sprouts. But uh, I'm not really a turkey fan. I love stuffing. And, and it's funny because and I like stovetop stuffing, but I, I can't eat it because it's, it's all processed and bad for you. So we get this stuff at Sprouts because that's where I get my turkey stuff. And, this, and the stuffing is really good. And Joanne does something where she puts uh, Italian uh, sweet sausage in it that makes it good. So I'll just eat that. But this year, she wants to put pine nuts in. And I made her buy the pine nuts for this reason. Pine nuts are $20 a pound, okay? My turkey is less than the pine nuts. I think my turkey was a 10 to 12 pound or $1.59. And she only got a quarter pound. But I'm, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little worried about the stuffing with uh, pine nuts. I guess it, it might sound good. But I don't know if I want pine nuts in my stuffing. Anyway, enough about that and my stuffing. I'm, I'm going to talk to my guest about stuffing because I know I know he he's 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 a big Thanksgiving guy. My guest is John Matter. How you doing, John? Coop, I love Thanksgiving. Do you really? Yeah. Once I finally heard that people put sour cream in mashed potatoes, uh, it made me want to call up my parents and fight them by going, "Why weren't we doing this our entire life? It's delicious." Well, what's funny about mashed potatoes is, yeah. And my mom and dad, my mom was an okay cook, but they. But we go out to restaurants, you know, I never ate off a kid's menu. I'd always just, I'd eat well, you know? Wow. And, and she always made, like, I was like, she would share with me. Like, I was eating scallops when I was three years old. Don't ask Holy me. Holy cow. Yeah, nice. But, but she sat there, and for years, she, because she worked, and then when she was raising us, she was always busy. She always made the potato buds. So I had never had homemade mashed potatoes till I was like, and I went to college. You don't have them there. <laughs> and one night, I was at someone's house, and I was like, holy crap, why are these mashed potatoes just... Oh my, I was like, I can die for them. So I, yeah. and they're like, well, they're homemade. I go, mom. She goes, well, <laughs> I was busy. I go, yeah, but you, for 20 odd years, you sat there and, and she goes, well, what do you want? And now it's like, it's such a different, but the sour cream, I haven't, people put, I haven't heard that. Uh, first time I had it was at my, uh, my friend Karen Kilgariff had us to Pataluma. Uh, where her family was, and it oh, it was so good. My mom though was same. My mom was not a good cook. My mom is the most lovely person on the planet, but she's just not a good cook. It, it was very, very Irish Catholic. Uh, a potato, a meat, and something else. Not a lot of vegetables. My mother never sat down with us to eat. She all I remember is my mom always eating a slice of cake over the sink while we were eating. <laughs> My mom was weird. Was my mom was one of these people that she would read recipes, so she would cook in portions. Like, Ooh, like fish is only four ounces. Pork chops be four ounces, and we're like, come on, we're growing kids, we're, we're hungry. <laughs> and I remember, and you might remember this Chinese food, which is weird because Cherry Hill is a very Jewish neighborhood. And yeah, there's Chinese restaurants everywhere uh-huh. because we were the exception to the rule. But there is our idea of Chinese food. Do you remember the cans of Latoya? Oh, are, yeah, yeah. And then they had the 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 noodles on top. My mom would heat the noodles up, and I thought that was the best thing. And now oh. I look at it, and I go, "Oh my God, it's it's disgusting." Yeah, it really. Well, we never had Chinese food. Uh, my mother, I always believed her, so I ask, "Hey, can we get Chinese food?" And she'd say, "You don't like that." <laughs> really? Are you sure? Same thing with uh, lobster. And crab, when that would show up during the summer, where, hey, could I try that? You don't like that. Here, have a hamburger. Well, yeah. Okay. Why would she ever lie to me? Well, but Lobster's expensive. Yeah, and she, they did not. My dad was a teacher, and then he became like an assistant principal. So you find out how much money that we were living on as a kid, and it's amazing that my parents were able to have three kids. We never wanted anything. We never needed anything. We, I, I never even, I never asked for much just because it just never seemed like we didn't have everything. Right. That's for me too. It's like, you know, we had a house, my parents had cars, mm-hmm. you know, I just said there was always food on the table. You know, we, if we wanted to do go to little league or whatever, mm-hmm. we, we would do that same thing. I don't know what they made, but then, you know, my father had lost the family business, but my mom went back to work and she was luckily, she was a market research manager for wow. soup. So she was doing okay. But then, you know, in, and, but they did get a house in Cherry Hill. So, I mean, but they bought that like when Cherry Hill was just building up and no one yeah. thought it would get so busy, but yeah, well, it's, it's different. I mean, now I look at, I go, Where, where's all my money go? I said, there you go. You know, I mean, it's like you sit there and you go, wait. I'm broke. What? I should have more money. And you don't know where it goes. You're like, wait, my bills aren't that much. But in, in comparison, I mean, LA, I, I mean, it's bad enough. I can say I have a great, I have a great rent on my apartment. You know, mm-hmm. it's a two level townhouse. It's got a balcony upstairs and downstairs. 
And I'm thinking, I have a great deal. And like people, well, how much do you pay? I go, fourteen fifty. They go, you pay fourteen fifty for an apartment? And now, and, and that's considered cheap out here. Cheap now. Yeah. I mean, were you sticker shocked when you moved here? No, because when I when I moved here, I moved to San Diego first. Okay. And then and then I went through a divorce and I got a studio for five hundred bucks. Well, first of all, I was living in San Diego and coming up here, I had an apartment in Hollywood for three eighty five. Ooh. Studio. And then Burbank, five and a quarter. Nice. But then I got a roommate in the place I live now. And back then, their apartment total rent was eight ten. I mean, that's yeah. 15, 18 years ago. And for me, for two people, it's like 400. That's nothing. You well, know? you know, when li- li- I lived in Philadelphia, lived in, you know, Bayonne, New Jersey. I've lived in a lot of different places. And when I moved here, I thought a couple things and went, wow, there's Mexican food everywhere here. This yeah. is fantastic. A burrito, any kind of burrito. Or a buck. Yeah, I didn't know there was such a thing as a breakfast burrito. It was Jersey. <laughs> we didn't kind of know. We had a t- I always say the Italian restaurants are what the Mexican restaurants are out here. Yeah. Well, a slice place is very strange here to get an oily slice with red plastic cup, see-through cups. If you go to a place, if they open up a place here, the lines are out the door because it doesn't exist here. In Philly, New York, it's every block. Well, that's there's a place in in Burbank. I'm not going to mention their name because I'm not going to give them a plug uh, because they 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 suck. But uh, <laughs> no, I, they're, they, they they try to sell slices, and I go out. Well, well how's that I, a plug if you're going to say it sucks? Because it's still people like that. Go, well, we're going to try it. We're going to try it. No, we. Uh, I went there one night. I had a few cocktails. I was in the mood for a piece of pizza, and I go, well, where am I going? I'm not going to go get a whole pie. I'm not, you know. Cause yeah. And I went to this place. Slices are hard to get here. I got a slice of Sicilian. I like Sicilian. Ooh. It was. Four bucks for a slice, or four fifty. I think that's average. It was very small. Okay, it was well, like you got like, it was like a crouton. They saw you coming. Yeah. Well, they saw it. They saw you staggering in. No, I wasn't staggered. <laughs> I was. I was sitting. And I, I looked at the guy and I, and I knew the guy I worked. There. I go, man, we, can you throw like a chicken tender over this or something? Yeah. I, go, I go four, four, <laughs> four fifty for this slice, and and that's a thing. But back east, you know, I mean, I went down to the when I was at a college reunion in New Jersey in uh, Belmar. I went to like Three Brothers Pizza, mm-hmm. and for like. 350 i got a piece so big you had to have like two plates to carry it's a, it it's very much an east coast kind of thing uh well same thing with cheesesteaks i don't ever remember eating a cheesesteak sober oh, so no. when people tell me boy you must miss cheesesteaks no no i would eat them occasionally sober and there are some places out here you can get them but the thing is like when we were in the philadelphia when the comedy scene back then uh-huh you would sit there and you'd yeah you have you'd go like to nick's roast beef where you go somewhere and drink beers and then you go to that little i forget that little that little uh sandwich place it was near a parking structure there was like a, a club it was in between where the comedy works was it was around the corner and I forget, but I still remember there was like like near right next to like this disco and I remember sitting there and there was like these, yeah this this like Italian wedding party bachelorette party fight and I still remember Jimmy Little sitting there hammered because he's always hammered and sitting there eating like a cheesesteak and watching it going oh yeah you gotta watch this you gotta watch this <laughs> but yeah you you go you go out and then you have do shows and you have some cocktails and you be like I'm hungry and you go and they wouldn't it wouldn't be an arm and a leg like you get a cheesesteak for like five bucks no that was a great thing back then is you just never had money and the deal was always that we would hang out at Nick's or any of the bars so whoever worked that night came in with money they had to buy right or Which if, was always kind of the rule. Or if, we, or if Dennis Horan was there. Dennis Horan was there. He'd always give you his credit card. People, if you don't know, me and John, John and I did stand-up God back in Philly uh, years ago. If you're just tuning At in. At least. 88, 90. 25 years ago. Yeah. And that was 25 years ago. And then John came out here, and John's a... Uh, a, a comedy writer He's written for many different shows. In fact, he just had an episode of Scooby-Doo up. Which yeah, was, it was crazy. Which, I almost forgot that I did that. I wrote it with my buddy, uh, Ken Daly, uh, our, one of the guys in charge of it, Mark Banker, really generous guy who brought me in to do some Batman stuff. So I've got to do a little bit of animation well, What's stuff. that like going from, I mean, cause you know, you've, you've written for, you know, uh, well, who is it? Steve, uh, Cole. Steve Harvey. No, but the, the, who is the wrestler? Goldberg. Did you write? No. Oh, uh, I did a pilot with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So what's that like going from like writing for a wrestler to writing for, you know, animation? Cause it's, I mean. Scooby, what well, the funny thing about Scooby Doo is and Batman, mm-hmm. there's gonna be kids watching, but a lot of adults watch because we well, have to remember. It. I feel you need to remember your passion that you had with a little kid. Uh, I remember when we were doing the Batman, it was more of thinking, 
at one point in the script, they had so Batman uh, pulls out a flashlight, and I went, no, Batman can't have a flashlight. Right. Batman needs you. Went through all the gadgets and stuff, so you felt um, some kind of responsibility to create some cool nerd stuff for new nerd kids. So they're going to be even a better branded nerd than I was. Right. I, I still have love comics and stuff like that. So that whole culture stuff, I love. I just remember watching Scooby-Doo as a kid. So if you would have told my, me 40 years later, you know, you're going to write one of these, or you're going to write a couple of them, I would tell myself to shut up because I was a very rude child. Or, yeah, or if you had sat there and watching some hack acts doing bits at the Comedy Works over Mike going yeah. out. Hey, I'm going to get you. Oh, man, Withers jokes you. If you had heard that years ago, you would have been like, wait a second. I can I can actually address this right. I, I can do it without saying, hey, uh, you know, hey, did the go? You know, like the old. Yeah. Cat. Like I was I was thinking the other day, if, you know, if dogs couldn't lick themselves, there would be about 4,000 hack comics who wouldn't have a closing bit. I was thinking that the other day. It came to my mind. I'm like, because if someone even oh. even someone now is making jokes about it, I'm like, wait a second. You know, that joke was 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 hacky in in when we started. Yeah. And now I see some of the stuff. Like you know, you see some of the posts. Like there's this one guy. I I don't even know why I'm friends with him on Facebook, but it's like he writes. <laughs> you don't have to be. I know, but I just I, 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 I I've unfriended some people not because I don't like them. I just because I was like, they don't say anything positive. They don't. Okay. You know, but this guy constantly writes jokes. Probably honestly. Like every five an hour, I think he posts. Wow. I'll see it on my line. And honestly, maybe one a day is somewhat funny. But that's that's good odds. I I think writing one wise, of, one out of if I could get one out of ten that doesn't stink, I feel I'm doing really well. Yeah, but you're you're. But I've been are, doing it a long time. Well, this guy just thinks he's like the best. And I sit there and I go, "Do you know anything?" And then he puts some meme up. I'm like, "Dude, everyone made that joke last night." But he thinks he's hip. I think yeah. it's just because he's like, and he's not in LA. He's not in New York, and he's not in Philly, and he's not in any big city. So he's not that hip of a guy. Well, I know too. Like when you meet younger guys, sometimes the um, your first thing, instinct sometimes are to give them direction and go. That's eh, a little more familiar you really don't want to use the term hacky but that's all you're thinking in your brain um but like you remember from open mic nights or even back then you'd see guys that were just absolutely horrible and then two three years later it takes time to find a voice and that's kind of the harder thing i get with guys that want to write is they'll ask me advice and then you're just telling them dude it's just part of the process it's going to stink yeah, yeah, it's but, just going to stink, and it takes time. I mean, the template for stand-up, you're not going to get your voice until 10 years if you're lucky. I, I don't even know. I, for me, I mean, and I was a working act. I worked, yeah. and I don't think I ever found my voice, and that's why I don't really do stand-up anymore. But when I do it now, I just do, I'm bored, and I haven't done it forever. I'm more conversational because I tell stories yeah. now because I think that's what happened to a lot of us older comics you know, which is funny because like like Paul F. Tompkins, who you know you were friends with, not yeah. friends with, Paul was telling stories before anyone was doing that. Like yeah. he he started like, and now it's the whole storytelling thing, and you see a lot yeah. of of the comics who have been around for a long time. They're just like, well, they're also it. some of them are trying to listen. There's nothing wrong, Zach, and they're guys that tell really they tell really great jokes, and I still marvel. You know, like a guy like Emo Phillips or Stephen Wright, the guys that can really write a joke, I, it's amazing to me to watch. So then you see a lot of guys who try to do versions of what Paul's doing, to try to do more long-form stories because that's more of the style of comedy now. It's not built for everybody. Like you're saying, Paul was wearing suits that, you know, he kept together with uh, safety pins. And he was doing something that nobody else was doing at the time. And even today, a couple times I've seen him do stuff, you just watch him and go, he's better than everybody. And what's funny is he's the only person I know who, as he's gotten older, he's actually gotten looked better. <laughs> like, like, look at him now. Like, he was like, he came in a while ago, and I'm like, oh my God, this guy. He's reverse aged. He's like the Benjamin Button of comedy. He's a distinguished gentleman. Before he was just the guy with the crazy blonde. Remember the blonde hair? And... He was never afraid, which I could never do, was uh, change the color of my hair. Well, you have such great hair that you. Can't... I really, even back then, I had truly. You were right. A gorgeous head of hair. John John Matta has. I I had great hair back then. Now I'm bald. John <laughs> John Matta's hair has stayed uh has stayed very very nice, and I think 
and John, because we're going to talk about his new book, and our friend Du gave him advice, my friend Du Kerbalani. Mm-hmm. Du has wonderful hair. Gorgeous He's got hair. a nice hair. So you guys, I met these guys for coffee people one time, and when I left, I just crawled in my back seat in a fetal <laughs> position and cried and looked at my old headshot from 1990 and say, what the hell happened? It should have, what is wrong with me? There truly is no cure. Like whenever you see a guy with a uh, bad rug or plugs, you just, listen, if Jack Nicholson could have a gorgeous head of hair, he'd have one. You know, there is no, there's nothing easy in life that Joey's feel like, well, I could just get it. Listen, Sinatra, reason Sinatra wore a hat was he was going bald and he was very self-conscious about it. That's what curried and got people the trend of wearing hats because people wanted to be cool like Sinatra. It was just a guy who didn't like being bald. It's fantastic. I I wear hats, but I'm glad I look good in hats. But I'm going to tell you something about hats. Yeah. And this is a God's honest truth. I look good in hats. I have lots of hats. Sure. But years ago, I looked good in baseball hats when I had hair. Uh But baseball hats are not made for bald men because I have like one, one baseball hat fits me right. You're besides, but like other hats, like a fedora, a derby, anything, they fit fine. But the baseball hats, if you're bald, they just don't fit you good anymore. No. And partly to people think uh, you might have a health challenge too. Oh, Coop, I didn't know. You know, it just, that's why you're better off with even a sombrero if you had to. Exactly. Uh, anything other than the baseball cap. There's a two, and there's an age too where you just have to go. I can't keep wearing baseball hats. I'm in my mid 40s. It's like because there's so many other nice hats and yeah. they're so acceptable, you can switch it out. Yeah, even you, Pete Rose doesn't wear hats anymore. Exactly. And you know what scares me also is people who wear baseball hats with no logo. Like just I think where do you, when do you go out? Like that's like something you get at the 99 cent store. <laughs> like just like a, a blue hat that says nothing on it. It's like wait a second. I mean. I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> aren't baseball hats made to advertise something like a team or a product? But you sit there. I see a guy with just a blue hat, and I go, "What the? What, you know why?" Well, even with try to buy some clothes that doesn't have try try to go jogging, and then try to buy something without the Nike swoosh or Adidas. Some point, sometimes you just want to go out and run and not be an advertisement for something. Yeah. But I, I know I'm not. I don't really. I go to the gym. I haven't gone to the gym for a while, and I just. I mean, Coop, I you got to work out. I know. I know. Actually, funny. I uh, I I used to all the time. I just haven't gone, and I put on like ten. Why? Days. What? Why haven't you been working out? I don't know. I just don't. I hate the gym. It's just boring. I get bored. I just do the treadmill. I just do the treadmill. You just don't put on some uh, uh again a nice podcast, some loud music, run the jewels. I put the TV. I put the TV on, and I watch the TV, and uh. I watched the Food Network. <laughs> no. Food Network say okay. During when I'm working out, going, ah. oh yeah, I'm gonna make that pie when I get home. Which I've heard the big thing for Thanksgiving is not the turdurkin this year; it's the pie caken. Wow, it's like something that's like a pie and a cake, and it's just it's amazing. It's just a savory. I saw a picture. Pie? I didn't read the article. It's like a cake mixed with a pie. It's like a piece of pie inside a cake. It's crazy. Mm. Well, now you, well, your book is Matt a napkin, but now you always do. Uh, a bunch of Thanksgiving countdowns with yeah, the napkins. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, how did the whole napkin, if people, and it's, it's, it's madanapkin.com. Madanapkin.com, yeah. We just uh, put up a bigger site. It all came down uh, four years ago. Uh, my wife, uh, Rose Abdu, the gorgeous Rose Abdu. Who, by the way, people, look her up on IMDb because you can't, I say Rose is doing it now. You can't She's killing it. You can't turn the TV on show without seeing her. Like even Joanne's like, oh my God, Rose is on Scandal. We don't even watch Scandal. She goes, I- I'm recorded it. I go, what? She goes, I just want to see Rose. And I'm like, and I know someone, I said, I knew that Joanne did background on uh, Grandfather and she saw Rose and I put a picture. I said, oh, Joanne. And then someone's like, oh my God, that judge was so funny. Yeah, people the grinder. Yeah, I mean, the grinder, not craft life grinder. And people are noticing her now. I mean, she's been yeah. around, she's been great. But now it's really like, I mean, she's been working all the time. That must make you very proud. Yeah, I mean, I think not a lot of people can do what Rose does. Rose is just, you know, with her Second City background, Rose is funny, you know, from Curb, and people have always known that she could be funny, but to, and I think comedy people, drama fits them like a glove. And I think that's where Rosie's kind of doing stuff. And, you know, Gilmore Girls is coming back. A lot of people know her as Gypsy from the Gilmore Girls. So she's doing a lot of stuff right now and uh, very proud of her. And I can't do what she does where, I mean, she can just read something once. Boom. Got it. She's out the door. And and not a lot of people look like Rose, too. And she's, ver- I was gonna say she's versatile. Like she can play 
a judge. She's either Israeli sometimes, or she's uh, her first thing, bigger thing that people sometimes rec- recognize her from is uh, my best friend's wedding, where she played a uh, Dominican wedding dressmaker, which she based on her mother. So, uh, so she did a lot of characters. She was Senorita Rodriguez, and so she can do a lot of different things. It's listen. It's what again, what you have on your podcast a lot, which is just great character actors and those are the people that have i feel the most unique careers and and then again listen we're hoping that something bigger it sounds like something bigger where rosie is going to end up on something i think she always felt she was going to be our generation's doris roberts okay so she'll be the mom on you know like so but anyway so the 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 book mad and napkin started rose was uh going through chemo so she had a, it was a difficult time. And then when you're going through that stuff, you're just doing a lot of getting medicines and you're just doing a lot of stuff all the time. She did everything right around the corner here at the Disney Cancer Center. Okay. As Rose called it, the unhappiest place on the planet. Um, so when she was going through it, I would go out places. And uh, so to cheer her up, I would draw like a little one panel cartoon on a napkin. And then when I came downstairs to give her a meal or do something with her, just because it, it's a tough year. It's a tough year for anyone who goes through this. And we've had friends too, guys that we know that whose wives and husbands have gone through it. So it's definitely not the most unique thing right. sometimes. But it's hard because it affects it's, you. And oh, when, yeah. And when you're, it's brutal. And it's brutal. Especially if it's someone you love, like, you know. You, you know, just want it yourself. Yeah. Where I mean, you just go, just give it to me. I can handle this. Um, but she really, listen, in between chemos, Rose did uh, movies. She did the Barbara Streisand, Seth Rogen movie in between chemo four and five. She left right from the chemo chair to go shopping places where everybody was looking at her. What are you doing? She just refused to let it in any way take a step out of her life. So I would draw these things for her. And then eventually, uh, Rosie just said, just please show these to other people. You can't just show them to me. Well, where did you get the eye to draw them? And I don't, cause I don't remember you being a drawler. Like, no, you know- I'd never really drawn before this, which was weird. Here's what I was at a subway and uh, a mother had her three-year-old kid and she put the kid right on the counter. So I'm standing behind and I'm watching this. And I'm going, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> so the woman demands, demands that the sandwich artist or 18-year-old kid to, uh, before he puts any meat on the sandwich, she wants her son to try it. So I'm looking at this going, this is incredible. So I grab a napkin and I start drawing it because I, I don't have my phone. I don't have a way to record this at all. So the kid gives him a piece of ham. The baby puts it in his mouth, takes a couple chews and goes, <laughs> And spits it out on the counter. <laughs> she goes, he doesn't like that. Let's try the turkey. So then he chewed it. And then he went, he spit it out. And she went, oh, he likes that. She went through 11 different meats with this baby. As you're waiting. To As I'm waiting. So I'm drawing this just because it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then I showed it to Rose and she started laughing about it. But what did you draw? Did you? I mean, because I, 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 I just cr- drew a. A baby on a counter, and then I kind of typed it up at the bottom because I thought my handwriting was so horrible. So, and then Rose, again, Rose has been the one behind this 100%, where Rose just finally said, don't type anything, use your hand, handwrite all the uh, stuff. And then she'd say, I think this is funny. I don't think this is funny. Everything that I do on the site, Rose is uh, 100% behind. So that's where I'm very lucky. Nobody is smarter and funnier than Rose. So when we ended up putting it on the web, uh, per roses, and I came up with the uh, unique name of Matt and Napkin because that's but, my name and that's what it is. But the thing is, though, then it's in all honesty, I'm I'm more apt, and I you know I know marketing. I'm more apt to go look at something called Matt and Napkin than if you put some stupid hokey bullshit name. Yeah, I wouldn't. And it's direct Matta Napkin. Yeah, it's pretty. You, you it's, can't forget it, John Matta. The only thing is, and your name. M-A-T-T-A, you know, given in these days, people will screw that up, even though Matta, they'll be like, Matter M-A-T-T-A-H. I get Mata yeah. from some people, but and I never correct it. Paul F. Tompkins called me John Malta for the first year he knew me. Oh, that's funny. And I just never corrected him, and then he got uh, very, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you say anything? And I just said, ah, 
it just seemed like you're happy with it. Right. Um, so then after the first couple weeks when I put them on the web, just people started really enjoying it. So I just kept doing it. And so what we kind of do is I was partly what I had to stop doing was stop going to fast food restaurants every day because <laughs> you're going, I, I'm closer to 300 right now than I am to 200. So then I just the last year dropped a bunch of weight doing it. But uh, usually I'll go sit in a fast food place or and then grab a stack of napkins. The only rules for myself that I have is that I can never buy the napkins. I always have to take them from fast food places. That, that's good. To, that's good to know. Because and the funny thing is that's good because you know I, I saw you had a picture on Facebook where it was like the editing process and you had all these napkins for the uh. book. And I'm just thinking that's good because you know what that makes it more fun. You know. And, but thing also is though. The problem is going into a fast food place. You say you're not going to buy anything, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden you see, oh, wait a second. Well, I'm, so, I'm a little bit hungry. Well, if I only spend 99 cents, I can get a cheeseburger. <laughs> I, I would do that when I when I really when I really ate healthy when I got out of the hospital. Yeah. I would go, well, okay. You know what? I'd be like flying back, and I'm like, well, there's not really any place. To okay, I can get a Junior Whopper. But there's nothing that uh, – taste doesn't matter to you as much as a, a deal sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, 99 cents, you're in there no matter what. I, I would get the Junior Whopper and I would say, okay, if I don't get it, I'm not going to get it with cheese. I'm not going to get it with, I'm not gonna, <laughs> for the sodium level. I'm not going to get it for pickles. Do you get it wrapped in lettuce too? No, 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 no. Screw that. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to just get the burger, but I wouldn't, uh -huh. I wouldn't get like all the ketchup and mayo because a good burger doesn't need that. And I, I would go to Joanne's be like, text me, what are you eating? I said, a Junior Whopper. She goes, that's not good for you. I go, well, no. I looked online and I would, I would deconstruct it online. I go, it's only 560, uh, milligrams of sodium that's that's lower than when we eat pasta at your house and, uh, I, and you would sit there but that's the thing when you're in and you're drawing plus people are going to start looking well the whole book too with the uh there's over 300 of them uh i did 30 or 40 brand new ones too but that whole book we didn't kickstarter it rosie and i we just did it ourselves not that i'm against something like that but i just kind of felt like if i can't be an adult and at worst be borrow the money from my family of course not <laughs> uh we just did it ourselves so rosie picked everyone it's kind of a year journey through the whole thing the trays that they all sit on we actually went to fast food but we went to lemonade where we went in and grabbed trays and we borrowed trays from places then returned them a week later did you tell them you're borrowing or you just took them I, we're not gonna say I that. thought I told I thought Rose and I told them with our <laughs> eyes. Um but uh yeah, so the whole thing is handmade. Uh the whole book. Um Chris Haston, who shoots stuff for the uh Tonight Show. Well, not the Tonight Show, he's the NBC uh photographer. So all the cool stuff that you've seen, like I said, from the, the last shots of Jay Leno to all those cool shots that they used to do of the office and stuff that just had anything that's very distinctive looking and you see from uh, that's done through NBC publicity. Chances are Chris had a thumb or a eye in it. He's just the greatest. So he shot the cover. Uh, we got a gal, Eva Crawford, who did the layout. So it was all kind of just done by us and small publishing house. Uh, Charm Press stepped up to the plate to help out with it. And we got really lucky the first day it came out uh nia Vardalis tweeted about it uh the day she was on the uh today show i i re but, I, I retweeted her ah. but, but there was a because you called me there was a, there was a time yeah. there's a time because people he put because i want to support my friends and she, she tweeted it and i said oh, i retweet it and i get a call from john hey, i can't really talk right now but you got to pull that tweet down because amazon it, wasn't the most generous with handling um the pre-sale so i couldn't do a pre-sale um, but we did sell out the first day it went out. So we shot, we shot, shot through the first printing, which is pretty incredible. Now, how many did you print? Uh, it was probably around 3000. So they all went on the first day. Yeah. 1500, 3000, something like that, because it also had to go for the first print borders. So any place you can buy a book online, you can buy Matt and Apkin, the book, um, Amazon's the best deal because of Prime, because I know you love a deal, Coop. <laughs> I, <laughs> so you, you know, get free two-day shipping and stuff. So we've been very lucky with the amount of people that have been so generous. Dr. Ken, uh, Dave Foley, Kids in the Hall, Stone Street, Jeff Garland, Martin Short. All these guys have either lent their name to either quotes for the book or have already, Steve Cooper, been tweeting out about buying the right. book. So I, I've been very lucky. 
it it started really same thing with organically is when it went on the web i didn't think anybody was looking at this and then fast company did an article on it boing boing Nidorama, and a couple different places so then it just i think part of it is too to digress it came out of a really difficult time which is rose was going through something really tough she's great now you know five years later everything's perfect but you could have just you know been bummed out by it but we just kind of chose to just keep laughing and something really good came out of it which is this book what really even better came out of it is rose is really healthy she's working all the time she's the greatest so it's also just become a project that we both do together so every night usually i'll either have a bunch of loose napkins or a legal pad full of jokes like we were talking about i have to probably come up with 10 for every one so it's a lot there are a lot of them there and some of them just stink <laughs> now how do you how do you find the like you said you have to come up with 10 how do how do you sit there because it goes up every day and yeah. i'm sure you probably have it set where it automatically may go up i don't know i could do it with my podcast i try I not to uh just because of the sheer volume that i have to do and to keep it fresh i try to draw it the day before or the that day uh, and, uh, but sometimes I'll get ahead a couple, like during Christmas, you want a couple days off. So you'll get, a, uh, I'll draw four or five ahead of time. But, uh, but then after I draw it, I got to run upstairs. Rose, what do you think of this? And then she'll, oh, that's, that's John. That's not even close to being spelled right. Now, how do you, now, now do you take a picture of it and put it up? No, I mean, how I scan it? them. So okay. that's what I get from people ask. Cause it's very, I guess it's, it's an interesting question of, do you actually draw this on a napkin? Yeah, everything's drawn on a napkin. So I've got two big boxes filled with, I've done over 1,050, I think now I'm up to, something like that. And that's, Some that's crazy number. for three, four years. So. Yeah, like four years now. Now, how many are in the book? A uh, little over 300. Okay, and now now how did you, you said you did 40 new ones, which, you know, but how did you actually sit there? How did you and Rose go through and pick the ones you thought that were the that, best? That picture that you see on the on the web, uh, uh, you can go to the about page on my website. You get to see Rose sitting there as she just put them all on the table and kind of looked at them. So it was, Rose decided which I thought was a tremendous idea, which I can't take any credit for. Most things about Matt and Afghan I can't take credit for, where she just said, let's take it from January to December. So we'll start off at the first of the year and then end it at Christmas time. So we have Christmas napkins and stuff all the time. I really like, I, this year was the first year with the Thanksgiving ones where I went, I, I don't know if I can come up with any more Thanksgiving Because you've joke. done it every year, right? The Thanksgiving Every joke? year. And so, did you do Halloween too? Yeah, yeah, I did 10 or 12 for Halloween and now I got to come up with Christmas ones. You're going, how many, like you're going, it's, it's like the land of McNuggets. How can you come up with anything interesting? Like you're going, I don't know whether I could come up with anything. But part of it is you just shut up and think. You yeah, know, I, I part think of also, it's being a creative person. Yeah, like, you know, you're going like... I tweet Christmas jokes, and I'm, I mean, you know, you sit there and go, well, what can I... And then you sit there and go, wait no, a second. Like, like I, I did my time hop up last year, my stupid... And I, I said it was a stupid Thanksgiving joke. And, you know, I like stupid jokes. Uh -huh. pop, I said, what kind of... And it's so set up. What does Jimmy J.J. Walker eat at Thanksgiving? Jive turkey. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Try the yams. You know, and it's just stupid. But that's stuff that comes up. And that's the funny thing. These, these, you know, when you look at this, you want to laugh. And that's the thing. It's ah, like, thanks. I mean, and you do though. It's not like you sit there. I mean, I'm not expecting some cerebral. I mean, you know, like, oh my god, this is going to be. You know, I'm going to read something real heady. You know, I, I want something that's funny. Now they're quick one panels, and I think that's something that we would really like to get involved with is whether it's stand up for cancer or something like that. Rose said it's a great book for someone going through chemo because you get this thing called chemo brain where you just really can't concentrate. So these are really tight one panels. The closest thing, and it's obviously not as good as, is it's kind of like a far side. It's a right. throwaway far side. Now, um, now through your website, yeah. people, people, you, you, you just go to mattanapkin.com and that'll take you to Amazon and all the places to but, buy it. But also you have an archive of all your past ones. Yeah. Kept them all up. Um, still working on the, the brand new, I did everything at a budget and that's one of the reasons I think I did stuff on napkins. I did everything at a budget of zero, you know, so we did everything on a blogger, even the short films that we've been making, my buddy, Dave. 
Dave Rogowski, Mark Fight does the sign spinner bits that we've been doing. We've been shooting video. Um, we're starting to do animation on stuff. So hopefully we're going to be doing promos and stuff like that's what I'd like to be doing. Or again, I'm a TV writer. So that's the other thing. A lot of people don't know I write comedy for TV. A lot of people think I'm an artist and I guess I kind of, but again, I never thought I could be an artist, but you are, I mean, you have a book. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, the bottom you line. can be anything you want to be. Yeah. That was like, even with comedy, I remember as a, you know, as a kid loving stand up so much and watching guys and, and just, you know, so lucky when we were kids at the tonight show and then you had Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin on in the afternoon. So you could watch a lot of, it seemed like it was a very golden time to do stand-up, you could get a lot of TV work. Like you, We all remember Seinfeld in his early 20s doing stand-up, and it never seemed like something I could do until I just did it. And that was a strange thing about doing the Matt and Napkin stuff. I didn't know I could just be an artist or just draw. You just do it. Well, yeah, and now also, <clears throat> and it's basically you. we have the access to do it. Yeah. It's like you can just put up anything, and once again – where it comes with where your book is good, there's going to be 10 books that suck. I mean, the bottom yeah. line is when people can just easily produce stuff. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's the well, thing. Well, there's too much of everything. Right. So now it's like sitting there like, you know, I'm sure there's there's great cartoonists and there's crappy cartoonists. Yeah. So the thing for yours is, yours isn't overly drawn. Yours is fun. It's like, you're not sitting there going, hey, look at me. I, I went to the Moore Institute or whatever of art yeah. and have this and that and this and the shadowing. No, you're drawing and sometimes, and you, in the beginning it was mostly black and white, but then you started, when did you start incorporating color? When uh, a friend gave me some markers for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then I just, hey, that looks cool. The other thing is I've had people, hey, you're minimalist style. And I just want to say, that's as good as I can draw, man. <laughs> but the smarter thing to do is say, thank you. I'm glad you've noticed that. Right. As opposed to tell people, you don't tell all your secrets all the time. <laughs> going like, dude, I can't. That's what I tell people that want to do guest nap. We've had some great yeah. guest nap. I want to talk about guest nap, which I actually did one people. Steve I did, Cooper. I did, I, did, I did a few years ago. I think. <clears throat> yeah. It was a Mr. Bill. I, it's fantastic. He was, a lawyer, one. he was whatever. But now who are some of the people? Because you've gotten some very big names. You know, you, uh, Eric Stone Street from Modern Family. And now now do you, did he know Rose? Is that how you got him? Or did you, you know, know him? You know, I just um, met him from hanging around from my buddy Brian Blondell and uh, and uh, David Gassman, Jojo Stein. Uh, he was just buddies with them and just, listen, he was like most of, the best thing about living here is you meet your friends and he was had a really great career, but he wasn't Eric Stone Street from, you know, Emmy Award winner from Modern Family. He was just a really funny dude who did a lot of commercials and you're watching and you're going, why isn't he a big? And then a year later, he was as big as you can get with stuff. And that's what I think is the best thing about living here. It's possible. It's possible for all the, so it's, that's the most fun to see when a guy who's a great guy like Eric does really well and everybody loves what he does. It's fun to watch your friends. So, so he just was, he, he's just a fan of everybody and things. So he's just been very generous. Sean Hayes did one. Um, how did you get Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell, my buddy Craig Doyle wrote a pilot for him, and Craig is a Craig's now one of the co-EPs of Undateable. And Craig is just uh, we were we wrote together on the Andy Dick show a little bit, uh, not as a team. We just were able to plow through stuff, and he's just been a great friend from when I first got here. And he was generous enough to invite me to help out on set when they were shooting the pilot. And Kurt Russell is exactly who you want him to be. He's exactly Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little okay. China. Yeah, I'll say that. And he just, he's the smartest, funniest guy in the world. So they shot this pilot for HBO. Uh, I don't know where it is right now. I think they might be going someplace else with it. I mean, I can't wait to see whatever Kurt Russell does in this, uh, the new Tarantino movie. I've just always been such a huge fan where... You know, you're watching Big Trouble in Little China or a couple movies that he's done, even Captain Ron. Captain Ron, it's, you watch that and you just enjoy it. He's the best. Where you're going, he's a little bit sometimes uh, snake plisk. So he drew a snake and he was the greatest. So 
he was just nice enough to do it. And he's really good friends too with, uh, so I got to talk to him a little bit about, uh, I worked on the Martin Short show. So he and Marty, uh, are really good friends, uh, really close friends. So then he was, he had a little bit more of a shorthand with him, which too, if, Hey, my friend likes you, you're kind of okay. Plus Craig just made sure that any joke that Kurt did that might've been mine, Craig gives you a hundred percent credit right there. Not a lot of writers do that sometimes. You know, so, um, yeah, we've had some, uh, even like Maria Banford, Frank Kana from Mystery Science Theater. There's just a lot of people have been, Dave Keckner have been unbelievably generous. Um, Jeff Garland drew one. And sometimes you just catch people and they'll go, hey, I'll, can I do one? Of course you well, can do one. It's one of those one. things where you see it and it's, it just looks fun. You know, it's yeah. like anything. It's like, you know, we all love to do something that's fun. It's like. You know, hey, you know, like when I did one, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I saw Dan Fox did one today. Yeah. Thanks. Bunch of old friends. And then I, I just meet a lot of people online, too, where there are a couple other napkin artists that I'll talk to on the web. And so, you know, how, do you, how do you find fellow? I mean, is it uh, is there a lot of them? I mean, is it something that people there's, are... there's uh, two pe- uh, there's dads, a uh, dad who does it in his, his kid's lunchbox every day. So I think with the internet, people just feel more and more, let's just put it up and see what happens. So it, it got odd where, hey, this, this guy is stealing what you do, and I'm not doing anything different, where you're just going, listen, we just draw on, on little paper napkins. Other than that, there's nothing alike. And again, I don't have kids, so I don't have a kid that I draw right. it for. So, and the people... Um, the the all the people that do it have been nice enough to link me and then i've a couple of mine wrote hey would you like to do a guest napkin and i same thing i just meet a lot of artists now on the web i think too because i'm not really um competition for them you know no one's going to you know what they do is i i'm always amazed by how talented people are like you see some stuff that people draw on a real artist that you go how do you how do you do that? But then they look at us sometimes and go, how did you come up with that joke? And you're going, it's, well, that just happens to be my skill set. Right. It's a respect. And it's, yeah. I do it. I mean, like, I don't have any tattoos. I would never have tattoos. Uh-huh. I honestly, I see some people's tattoos and I go, holy crap. How did someone, you know, you think about this guy. He's, he's not, he's making this design mm-hmm. with these colors and all that. And I'm like, that's an art form. Yeah. But then you see the idiots who like have the tattoos that aren't filled in no. and you go, <laughs> you say like, you know, are you going to fill it in? Oh, well, when I have the money, well, maybe you should have the money before you get your tattoo because it looks pretty stupid. That's like building a house without a roof because you live in California. Well, I don't wonder too, if the guys are trying to get a deal. Right. I know it's 300, but I got 111 yeah. and then that's where the guy turns off the machine. When we were living in Philly, there was a VFW hall that you had to become a member of that was, did you ever go to it? It was open almost 24 hours for drinking. So it was an after hours bar. So uh, I remember Paul was there. We had a big group of guys that would go. Uh, there was probably about eight of us at this VFW. And right next to me, there was a older gentleman who was a little cranked out too, I think. And he was doing a tattoo. So he was doing it on himself on his forearm right there <laughs> and it was the craziest thing because you hear the and i was looking around and going am i is anyone else hearing this so i saw it so i looked over at the guy and he was doing a tattoo on his arm and he was in the zone and i just leaned over to him and i went hey man uh can you work my name into that and what's your name john uh but do 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 like jm so he starts doing the J and, uh, and he kind of snapped out of his drunken drugen haze and looked at, Hey, what, what? And, and he got angry at me. So there's somewhere there's a guy with part of my name on his forearm. Maybe he's now a fan and he has Matt a napkin on his back. Oh, that would be, I've had two or three people contact me over the internet and ask me if they could, uh, Hey, I was thinking of getting this tattooed on me. And I said, Oh, please don't do that. Why not though? I, it's, is it, uh, it's because you don't, because you don't, you think it's a bad idea. I just think it's a bad idea. I think if you're going to tattoo something to you, it should be something that means a lot more. And I listen, I've had, but that's a compliment. Maybe they think it, it's a means, wonderful compliment. They're, they're, they love Matt and napkin so much that they want to put it on. I know. But I, I'm not going to okay it. 
<laughs> I don't want to be the person that says you need to definitely do this. Like I've had, I've been very lucky where I've gotten, I've sent out, I think like 30 or 40 and most of them have been kind of abroad to other countries, uh, where people that called me up and, uh, were wrote, wrote to me rather and just said, Hey, I was going through something really rough. And then I went over your, I, I ran, ran into your website and then I spent a, an evening just going through 700 of them and it really made all the difference in the world. So those kind of people, I'll find one or draw one that they really love and then just mail it to them, you know, cause that's, that's, that's incredible that someone would number one, think enough to write you a note like that. And it's just really sweet. And that's kind of the life you want to live. Right. You know, like I know, I don't know about you now, I'm more about, and it's not a, maybe it's just getting older. It's more you want to be kind of defined by what you really like and love. Stand up is based upon to become friends with a comedian. The first thing you do is talk about all the other comedians you hate. Right. <laughs> and so whenever you meet two comics, it's the first 30 minutes is bad mouthing everybody. Then it always dropped into music and then other comedians that you love. So I've kind of, as I'm getting older, maybe I'm just a little bit more tired. It's like, I just want to get to the stuff that I like quicker. It's just, I'm tired of that. Listen, there are plenty of people that I go, ah, oh, that guy. <laughs> oh, you know, I do that too. And I sit there, but I, I'm the same way. I think it's just for me, it's like, you know, I would sit there and I not get irritated, but I would, and I would take it from a point where I would see someone and they do it a lot in comedy. Now they do like shows like, oh yeah, we're going to get do a set sober than do a set drunk mm. and I, I think and then there's a there's a we just did that back then yeah we just got we started off and then no if you mc the show you did your 15 and by the time you did your 10 you're in between out of your mind you're already buzzed I, it was so much fun um i know we did it with dennis haran i saw it happen to tompkins the idea would be that once you got up on stage if a shot came up to you you knew that was coming from the back of the room well, and I, it was not going to end i did i did a show in i was headlining uh -huh. New Newport News, Virginia. Actually, I was co-headlining that weekend, and the other guy was a, um, a ventriloquist from D.C. who I'd never heard of who was just god-awful. And so I, I, I blow him off the stage the first show. It's a Friday. It's a place okay. called Kazi's Comedy Club. The late show, there was this, there's like nine people. And it's like, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I didn't really have 45 minutes of material, but yeah, I lied. You know? No one had the time. Yeah, I lied. Yeah. If anyone had the time, no one would have been in stand up. Exactly. I had three minutes yeah. my first MC and I had to do 10. <laughs> I know. I, I, so I sit there and there's this guy and there's like eight people and the guy's heckling and he just eats this ventriloquist apart because mm -hmm. the, the dummy's like, whoa, screw this. <laughs> he can't have yeah. nothing to say. And it, he was, he, this guy was like, uh, so it's two bad acts up there almost yeah. with the ventriloquist and a guy can't defend himself. And then I just. I do a bit about uh, the guy started something. I just snapped on this guy uh -huh. and I just ran it at him. And then he sent me a shot to kill up. And I was like, oh, all right. And then n next thing you know, about 25 minutes into my set, I had done like five shots of tequila and I'm, and you know, they don't hit you right away. New. So I'm sitting there and I'm doing a bit. And then I just feel 20 my, minute marker. Feel my head going. Goo, 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 goo. <laughs> and I just said, oh man, I'm drunk. And they're laughing. So I just pulled out a notebook and I did like an hour. And no one gave a crap because I was just hammered. And yeah. then I, I had to tell the Audiences club. Audiences love watching oh, yeah. you they, get drunk. Deconstruction. Yeah. I, I, had, I had to tell the we club. We watch people unravel on stage and become who they truly are. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic to watch. I know, Haran, I, I'd, I'd been in rooms where guys have almost had 10 to 15 shots and a half. And number one, you're thinking... This could turn into alcohol poisoning. <laughs> right. But you got a whole audience that is cheering. And it's that great moment, too, where you know he, that person does not want another shot. And then another one comes up. There's nothing better than watching someone sigh before they do a shot. <laughs> well, there's, there was a guy I worked at with Mitchell's, the Mitchell's Comedy Cafe. Yeah. In Palmyra. God bless Joe Donato's soul because he was the best owner. Joe Donato. Joe Donato. And, uh, but there was a guy who lives now in Hawaii, a guy named Ralph Williams. Yeah. And he was headlining. And he would drink. And clubs would love to have him because when he drank, their alcohol sales would go through the roof. Mm -hmm. He'd do like 10 shots. Was the, it real booze? Yes. On the first show. Wow. He would sit there. Okay. I did a, I did a show with him. Okay. At Mitchell's. It was a, a two shows on a Friday night, two shows on a Saturday. In the middle of his set, because Mitchell's used to serve pitchers of beer. Uh -huh. He picks a pitcher up off the front table. And just chugs it. Wow. Chugs it. So then he does it again the second show. And he's doing the shots and everything. And then we ended up driving to Atlantic City and gambling. Wow. And, and he was and then he, we get back and he goes, Oh, I think I'm gonna uh drive back to Florida. 
you know, like that the, night or like the next, like Saturday, whatever it was. Yeah, but it was a weird thing. But it, he was a Florida act. It was just amazing. I don't even know how he did it. And he would still kill it. And he was drinking because I was talking to him. He would kill it on stage. And I was like, that's unbelievable. Well, I'd seen two acts when we were working the Funny Bone in Philly, more national acts that, uh, listen, part of stand up is and part of anything creative is you're still selling something. Stand up, you're selling booze and chicken wings. That's really what you're selling. So the more drinks they sell, the more apt they are to have you back. So I saw a lot of acts that would drink with the audience and do shots with the audience, and they were drinking iced tea. Uh, So that always, it was that weird age, too, where it kind of bummed you out. Yeah, because you you wanted to sit there and be like, hey, man, come on, Yeah, come on, man, we're really drinking. Like, we thought it was important to drink. Eh, That's just part of youth. I still remember uh, Jeff Cesario, great comedian. Brilliant guy. Best. Where we were going out drinking, and I go, come on, Jeff, we're going out drinking. He goes, ah, guys, I, I can't. I, and I go, come on, man, why? He goes, I'm working on my Tonight Show, so I can't get drunk. You go, ah, come on. And like, I remember being outraged by him. <laughs> and then later, I worked with him on uh, Spike Ferriston's show. And the first thing I did was apologize to Jeff because he took his career seriously. Right. <laughs> and we didn't know. I mean, from Philadelphia, the fact that we're all somehow involved in comedy one way or another 25 years later is incredible. It's incredible that we're all still doing this. And I didn't know 25 years later, I'd still be doing this. I just thought it was something kind of fun to do. And I just wanted to be good enough in Philly to just tell jokes. You know, I didn't think, I didn't think of having a career. I didn't know that was possible. You know, I knew, but again, Philly, New York was so close. You kind of knew after Philly, you're going to have to go to New York where guys like Ron Gallup, Ralph Harris, a couple Philly, Keith Wayne Cotter, Keith Robinson, and a couple guys like even like a Rich Voss who came down to Philadelphia. Well, that's a lot. also like like Jimmy Norton and Jim Florentine. They used to come yeah. down to the area and then Blaine Capashin, Pat well, Florentine, uh, Big Daddy Graham, I didn't have, when I first started in stand up, I didn't have a headshot. So Big Daddy Graham would use uh, a picture of Jim Florentine for me. (laughs) And then I also refused to have a phone for my first year stand-up. I just assumed that if someone needed to get a hold of me, they could find me. So I just didn't want a phone. I I can't even imagine. You're a lunatic at that age. Oh, yeah. Everything's important to you and nothing's important to you when you're in your 20s. Where, why do you not have a phone? Well, why don't you get a hold of me if you want me to work for right. you? Yeah, what? I remember. I, I remember that scene so much, and I remember uh, McKay and Wanchak lived in, a, I think, Sampson Street, or they lived in some alley. It and was a nice place. Tompkins too. lived across the street from. They, I think they, or they all lived together. I just remember. Yeah, that was. Well, they were students at Temple, and um, yeah, those guys. Uh, again, those were guys too. I always felt with Adam was just again where I you just felt, boy, this guy's a force of nature. You know, Frank Barnett. There were a lot of guys that I just always felt that were so much better and brighter than me, but were very generous to me and very nice to me. So you had to go, well, maybe I don't stink at this. Right. Well, you know, you were a good act. You know? Yeah, I got very lucky that I worked very quickly, but I think I plateaued very quickly. And you get to see stand-ups like heckling heckling in philadelphia if someone heckled you you shut them down hard yeah fast and you destroyed them but now when you watch good comedians they just let the hecklers they become part of the show and they figure listen there's still bad ones that are there to ruin it but great comedians now like I've seen, you know, a couple things like crowd work of like Tom or a bunch of guys, Patton, Blaine, any of these great comedians now, Maria Bamford, you go, they somehow absorb that heckler's energy into the show, turn it right back on them. And they somehow entertain the heckler so much that they shut up. You're not going to ever beat but, a table full but, of. But what's uh, funny is all those actors, all those acts you're talking about. Yeah. They've grown into that because none, none of them were shut down comics. No. For a heckler. They but they just they now they know how to handle they it. They figured better. it out. Because they sat there because they they, are, they were people that their material was much more important. For some yeah. of us, it was all about the laughs. You know, yeah. Even if it was a ch- cheap shit laugh. But them they, I mean seriously, but them, you know, that they were all about the material. And I think now they sit there where they have a name and it's like 
they don't have to shut him down. And they've learned that, you know, I can ignore this. And you're right. And Philly yeah. is top edged. I mean, it was- Philly's a very difficult, great town to start in. Um, it's not a town that really um, supports a lot of things in the way that you would expect. Uh, if they love you in Philly, they love you, boy. Um, but, you know, we do have a national reputation of turning over buses and throwing rocks with snowballs in them at referees and lighting Santas on fire. You know, Vet Stadium, you know, at the time was, and I still think, uh, Philly's the only football stadium that has a courthouse in it. Yeah. Well, that's And so, a jail. I'm not going to go into that. But it's a great town. It's not like Chicago. It's It was, we got very lucky when we started because it was the boom. Which was fantastic. Right. We were, so we, there was we a lot of work. under the boom. Yeah. And so then when we all kind of left, that was, it's surprising to see like you doing the podcast, me writing now, seeing the, the stuff that Adam McKay being one of the biggest comedy directors and they're talking about an Academy Award for his film that he's doing that's coming out this Christmas. And you're going, wow, we knew all these guys. How many years? And it's just very interesting to see the different roads that kind of everybody's taking. You well, know, yeah. How would you know you'd be living here? No, I, mean, I didn't. Did they, I didn't. That just it never seemed possible that we would move to California. I should have stayed in Philadelphia. I could have been a star. Oh, you would have been. Well, Big Daddy Graham's still the star there. I, you I, can't You can't knock Big Daddy Graham out. I, I know. I could have been, you know, but, you know, but I just, I got out of business, but it's all right. <laughs> I, I don't like California because I met in so many amazing actors that I would never think I'd ever meet. And then that's what's cool. And that's no, what, that's, that's the great thing about life. It just, it just stick in there, man. And then whenever anything seems weird, just keep going and, and just do stuff that you like. Exactly. You don't really need a big plan. Something cool is going to happen if you're doing something you like. Same thing. Who would have thought you would have been doing this? How long have you been doing this? And so, well, I wouldn't have said Coop's going to be on radio and have I podcasts. Never, yeah, I, no never thought, I never that. thought I'd meet people. But thank you so much for yeah. promoting well, the book well, give, and being give. such a fan. Give give all the, the and your your tweet your Instagram. Well, first give your Instagram. Everything's Matt and Napkin. Just look I, up Matt and Napkin. Actually, IKEA has a Matt and Napkin that I just found out about, but it's got like an umlaut on it, oh, yeah. so I don't really <laughs> count it as much. But just go to mattandnapkin.com or just go to Instagram, tweeting, Tumblr. I put stuff on all that. I try to put something different on everything, but um, you know the daily napkins. Uh, are on the site and I try to get them on a couple other things, social kind of things. And I've got, um, you know, some people helping me right now. But again, my biggest is you, you got to love my gorgeous wife, Rose Abdu, who uh, just is without her, I wouldn't be able to do this every day. And IMDB her and check out her work because you'll, you'll know her. As soon as you see her, you'll go, okay, I, I know her. Yeah, yeah. Because she's in, and now it's like she's, she's in everything. Like you can't watch TV. I was like, you know, I swear to God, I was sitting there, I was watching a football game. She was reffing. So I don't know. It's yeah, like, yeah, she's, she, she's in everything. I, I mean, was surprised she got that job. Yeah, no, she, I know. And thank God for female refs. They finally have one else. She would have been screwed. I'm telling you. They would have been, nah, you can't. You know, you're too pretty to look like a guy. Well, can I put a mustache? Nah, you don't look good in a mustache. You can't be a ref. And, and your arms aren't big like Hercule or whatever his name is. So, so and then now the book, they can get it at Amazon. Yeah, it's $14.99. Very affordable for a comedy book. It'll be a perfect. Listen, nobody wants to talk to their family over Thanksgiving and Christmas. So get this book. It's for the whole family. It's Nia Vardalis' kids' favorite book. So, so it's yeah, good for kids, too. You heard that. So go. Go just Google Matt and Napkin. Go to mattanapkin.com. Get in there. Go to Coop my, approved. Coop approved. I know. I even, you know, you go. This, I don't know when I put my thing, but you can find mine somewhere <laughs> in my old years ago. Anyway, also go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 445 episodes up there. I post about three a week, and I try to keep it up that way. Also, uh, go uh, email me through there, cooper at coopertalk.net. Cooper app. Get that Cooper app. Get I got the, it on my phone. Go to the Google Play Store, the Cooper app. You can just sit there, and you can you can just... Listen to every episode. And you know what? It's great. Just go. It's free. Go to the Google Play stores for Android. If you want to get it for uh, iPhone, you have to actually download the Podbean app. And then you can look for me there because I'm doing something. Podbean is a great website. And actually, they have a phone app. So do that. And uh, don't follow Follow me on Twitter. Don't forget, uh, at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot. Also, uh, Cooper Talk 1, at Cooper Talk 1 on Instagram. And I said Cooper, coopertalk.net. Also, don't forget, stopthesalt.com. Buy my cookbook, 120 recipes. All low sodium, healthy for you. There's no long list of ingredients, you know. So you, if you don't have cumin, don't worry. You don't need cumin. There's no pictures. You don't you don't get intimidated by pictures because guys, we look at pictures and we go, oh my god. And you can get that on uh, Amazon or you can get it at Barnes and Noble 
or you can get it at StopTheSalt.com. And if you get it at StopTheSalt.com, I will sign it for you. Ooh. And I will make more money. And I think that's all about it is. So, But if you go to Amazon Prime, buy Matt a napkin, buy Stop the Salt. It's a two-for-one great stocking stuffers. Oh, my God. Perfect, perfect contrary. So anyway, people, I'm Steve Cooper. My money is hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I will talk to you next week.